businessman well known for his ruthlessness, once announced to Mark Twain, Before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. Mark Twain said, I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston and keep them. Sometimes we recognize a gap between what we believe and the way we act, or what we say we believe. This is widely known as hypocrisy, and church people are famous for it. In case we wonder how to close the gap, Isaiah and Jesus offer us some direction. Isaiah describes a hypocritical group of people who, on the outside, look pious and devout because they are fasting. Fasting is that spiritual discipline where one goes without food, ideally to nourish him or herself with God's spirit instead of the food. In chapter 58 here, everyone thinks something besides food is missing. The Israelites expect God to reward them for their pious practice as if fasting were the quarters deposited into a heavenly soda machine and then God delivers whatever is on the button they press. Wealth for my family, healing for my child, good weather for this season. But God is not delivering the goods, according to Isaiah, so they cry out, Why do we fast and you do not see? Why humble ourselves but you do not notice? Isaiah and God see through their hypocrisy. They only are fasting to get something from God. And so their pious acts will bring them naught but dissatisfaction. The prophet chastises the complainers. Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day. Because the same day you're fasting, you're oppressing your workers. Your fasting leads only to quarrels and fights, and it will not make your voice heard on high. In other words, your action means nothing unless they carry with them, unless your actions carry with them a godly spirit of justice and mercy. In Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, he talks about how people in a relationship express love the way they understand love. He says that we each have a primary love language, a way that we express love to others. And he gives these names to the languages, acts of service, quality time, gifts, physical touch, and words of affirmation. Those are the five. So if my primary love language were gifts, then if I was coming down 81 by James Madison University, then I might stop into the college bookstore and buy my sweetheart a college t-shirt. Or I would take him a slice of carrot cake from Hollywood's restaurant. Chapman says that we express our love in the language we understand. So if my partner's language happens to be quality time, 
He would much prefer that I not take that time to stop by and buy him a gift. He would rather me be home with him. I'm going to list the five love languages again, and I want you to figure out which one you think is God's based on the passages today, based on Matthew and Isaiah. Acts of service, quality time, gifts, physical touch, and words of affirmation. Based on these passages, which one do you think it is? Acts of service? That's what I'd say. I think that Isaiah and Jesus both want us to understand that God's primary love language is acts of service. And so we, because we are in relationship with God, then we want to consider how we express our love to God. Does God understand our actions as expressions of love or simply like that group of Israelites, as an investment on which we expect a return, a reward. In the Gospels, we see Jesus involved in acts of service. Jesus shows us how to love God fully, and we remember that each time we share the Lord's Supper. The expression of love, the fast, that Jesus chose is the one called for in Isaiah to loose the bonds of injustice, to let the oppressed go free, to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house. It's reminiscent of Matthew 25, where we do, when we do things to the least of these, then we do them to Christ. So the fast that God chooses for us, God's love language, is perhaps a fast from ourselves, a fast from our own wants. As we care for each other, not just here at church, but elsewhere, we express our love for God. You are the salt of the earth. David Johnson notes that sodium is an extremely active element found naturally only in combined form. It always links itself to another element. Chlorine, on the other hand, is the poisonous gas that gives bleach its offensive smell. When sodium, though, and chlorine are combined, the result is sodium chloride, table salt. It's the substance we use to preserve meat and to bring out the flavor of foods. When we sacrifice our wants to combine acts of justice with God's spirit of mercy, the flavor explodes like the first time we take a bite of our new favorite food. Oh, this is fantastic. I've never tasted something so flavorful and fulfilling. God gives us the power to flavor the lives of others with something enticing and delicious. And we forget that. We forget how extraordinary was the flavor when we first tasted faith in our merciful and loving God. Can you remember that taste? 
as the salt of the earth, we're charged with taking that flavor to those whose lives have no spice. You are the salt of the earth. You also are the light of the world. One night, a motorist was run down by a train at a grade crossing, and the old signal man in charge of the crossing had to appear in court. There was a severe cross-examination, but he was still unshaken. He said that he had waved his lantern frantically, but all to no avail. And the following day, the superintendent of the line called him into the office and said, You did wonderfully well in court yesterday, Tom. I was afraid you might waver. No, sir, said Tom, but I was afraid that old lawyer was going to ask me whether or not my lantern was lit. Is your lantern lit? In contrast, almost 50 years ago, it was February of 1962 when John Glenn was in the Friendship 7 spacecraft orbiting the Earth. The people of Perth, Australia said they would turn on all the lights, so the buildings, the schools, their homes, they all turned on the lights. And as Colonel Glenn passed over the Australian continent, he radioed to Gordon Cooper in Moucher, Australia, the lights show up very well and thank everybody for turning them on. You know people who have expressed light to you. You know people in whom you see the light of God's Spirit. We have that light, too. You are the light of the earth. You are the salt of the world. Salt and light.